there already. Um, yes, we had a little bit different setup this morning because in just a few minutes we want to introduce to you a kind of a ministry expo you have behind you and why that's there this morning and how you can plug into that. And I'm going to let uh, Anson share that with you uh, in just a, a few minutes. If you've got in here and you didn't get your sermon notes, this is a time to slip up your hand and make sure you have one. We're going to start walking through uh, this in just a second. So uh, Richard's uh, prepared to to run like the wind and get them to you this morning. You're also in, now going to receive uh, an envelope. It looks just like this. This is the third week of our Time to Build campaign, and we've been talking and building about what, uh, really what the Lord is asking of us as a church as we move forward into this building project. And next Saturday, we'll be having our, our banquet together we've been promoting. In fact, there's a card on your table, or excuse me, your seat with the info on that. It's actually an invitation card. If you didn't fill one out last week, please so, do so this week by just saying you're going to be attending and how many so we know for sure the number, the number to, uh, to expect. But this is the envelope. I want to be encouraging you, and I'll talk more in the message this morning, about taking home with your family and this is your prayer card this week to be praying over. What does God want us to do as a family? What is the one-time cash gift? What is the monthly pledge, the three-year monthly pledge? What does he want me to do in this campaign? And so uh, you're going to get one of these cards, and I encourage you uh, to, to take that home, but we'll talk more about it as we get going in our service. Now, this could be for you the week of great joy, this topic, as we're talking about, or it could be the week that get, makes you a bit nervous and wondering why is he talking so much about this topic. Now, what's the difference? Uh, I would guess over the last few weeks as we've challenged you to be in the family devotion each day with your family or, or alone, if uh, whatever your context is, or we've challenged you to be memorizing the scripture that we've been handing out each week as well. Or we've been challenged you through the little cards to be reading through the whole New Testament in this uh, 40-day period. That if you really take those to heart and yet you've been challenging yourself spiritually to spiritual growth and getting before the Lord, then you've started to see your place in this campaign and that God has called every single one of us here at Windover Hills to be incredibly generous during this time. But if you haven't been in those, that type of spiritual growth, if you haven't allowed the Lord to be kind of speaking into you and challenging you and put yourself before the Lord, then this might be a morning where you go, wow, they talk a lot about money. And that makes us a little bit nervous in the church world, right? We flip on TBN or some radio or, radio or TV network and we're like, man, they really dress nice and, and continue to ask for money. And then the, the whole contemporary church world does every, everything we can to not associate with that. But the bottom line is this. God has called every single one of us believers in Jesus Christ to be incredibly generous, and in this season, in this life of our, our time of our church, as we launch into a, a building campaign and a building topic, and we're talking specifically about what is it God would require of each one of us, that's where we're going this morning in week three. If you're here this morning and you're like, wow, I don't know what week one or two was, uh, I would really encourage you, go to our website, thewindoverhills.com, and, or .org, and go on there and catch up with those two messages, and then that will put this one in a little better context for you if you're a little confused this morning. So, sound good? 
Yeah, good. For both of you, it sounds good, and that's wonderful. All right, um, let's jump into it this morning if you've got now your sermon notes and your envelope. Robert Tuttle was a seminary professor of mine, and he writes in his book, Sanctity Without Starch, about the time he took his uh, young son to McDonald's, and he got him, it's the first time he got him a large french fry. You know, do you remember that moment in your life when, like, you, got, you were able to get the large french fry? Well, this is that time for his son when he ordered his son the large french fry. And they sat down and they started uh, eating, or he was watching his son eating. And he instinctively, much like um, our wives do to us, reached over and took some of his son's french fries, um, right? And his son said, smacked his dad's hand and said, Dad, you can't have those. Those are mine. I mean, and here's Dr. Tuttle. Um, looking at his son, and he says in his book that three things came to mind immediately. Number one, he thought, I'm, I'm the one that brought him to McDonald's. You know, I, like, I'm the one that bought him those fries. You know, without me, there, there would be no fries in front of him, no large size for sure. Um, he doesn't realize that without, without me, there would be no french fries in his life. And he said the second thing that he thought was, uh, my son has forgotten that I control the fries, Though I bought them for him, I still control them. I can take the fries away from him in a moment if I want to take those fries away. I could eat them in front of him and make him watch if I so desire. Or I could buy him a truckload of fries. I could buy him more fries than he could, he could ever imagine that he would have. Third thing, uh, he, he says that he realized, um, I don't really need his fries, if I really wanted fries, I could go right back up to the counter and I could order the bucket size of fries And if, if I really wanted the, those fries. I, I don't really need my son's fries. And this morning as we continue, those are the three reasons that God wants us to be generous. The exact three. That generosity, you may not know this, it's the most talked about thing in the Bible. I gave you four little words on your outline. You can put these numbers next to them if you want for, for, your, for your memory sakes. Here's the stats on it. The word faith, or like its variations, is used 246 times in the Bible. 246, important word. The word hope, which is another important word in our Christian life, that's used 186 times uh, in the Bible. Uh, the word love, which is obviously an important word for those of us who are believers in Jesus, right? That's used 733 times. So you can see love, that kicks it up a notch. The word give or giving, take a guess, 2,285 times that shows up in the Bible. The, talk, the Bible talks more about give and giving than any of those other issues. Why? Because giving is an expression of faith, hope, and love. It's an expression of faith, hope, and love. If you're growing this morning in faith, hope, and love, if God has challenged you in that and he's moving you forward in that, then guess what? Giving follows right along with it. Now, Windover Hills, I really believe, is one of the most generous churches I've ever been a part of. Uh, to see the, the weeks that we've had special needs or somebody says, you know, hey, we're, we're hurting, or I remember a family that had no beds in their whole apartment. No beds. Two boys and no beds. And not only did we furnish them beds, but there was uh, couches and stuff that went along with that, and we took care of that family. Incredibly generous church. But for, just for the sake of, of, of our, uh, our campaign, where we're going, and making sure we really have a grasp on what God speaks about this, I want to walk you through these 
eight column benefits of learning to have a generous life and to live that way, to, to be unselfish. So that's what we're going to look at. The question is, why does God want me to be generous? That's what we're jumping into. And I want to tell you this morning, it's not new material. It's not like this week, like I broke ground on something you've never heard of before, and you're going to go, wow, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Now, you might think that, but it's not because I discovered it. This is stuff that over the last 27 years of my Christian life, I've heard. And yet I've done a great job at times in my Christian journey, like forgetting. Are you a good forgetter sometimes um, of forgetting these things? And so sometimes it's just good to package it together to re-challenge and put it in front of us. And that's what we're doing this morning. So number one, being generous, giving makes me more like God. Makes me more like God. The Bible says that God is a giver. God gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. If, if you're going to be like God, we have to learn to give. Remember the, the most famous verse that we know, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave. Now, I know you're like, well, yeah, Tom, but he, I mean, he didn't give money there. He gave his son. I'm not going to ask that of you this morning. <laughs> he gave. If you want to learn to be a great lover, you, you got to learn to be a great giver because they go like hand in hand. You can give without loving, but you, you really can't love without giving. God understands this. And now, when I first fell in love with my wife, Cherie, um, you know, I couldn't keep money in my pocket. Now, I wasn't making anything, so it was really easy. We went really fast. But I mean, if I saw something, you know, a little card or something like this, I bought these little giraffe and elephant statues one time, baby giraffe, baby elephant, right? And I packaged them in a way where the baby elephant was taken first. Her thinking, oh, the mama, or excuse me, the baby giraffe was first and the mama giraffe would be underneath it. No, it was the baby elephant underneath it. Her favorite animal, the giraffe, my favorite, the elephant. Sending a little message to, you know, elephant giraffe. (laughs) Gather. Don't laugh, it worked 20 years later. So we're... Still together, yeah. So, like, even today, after being married so long, like, I still have this desire to buy her and my, and my family to buy gifts. And so we have just, you know, like, a, a nice little thing worked out. I like buying her gifts, and she likes me buying her gifts. So, it, like, it works <laughs> together very well. That that's, last part's not really, not really true. Everything we have has come from you. And we can only give you what is yours already. That's the passage. Listen to that. It it comes from you. And we give back to you. In other words, look, all the French French fries in the world, right? And everything else belongs to God already. Every time I'm generous, I grow more godly. Every time you're generous, that's what you're doing. You're growing more godly. Secondly, giving draws me closer to God. The Bible says simply, where your heart is, is where your treasure is. Uh, Jesus says, where is your treasure? Where's your treasure? It's where your heart is. It's usually where your money is, is where where your heart is. If your money's in like investments all the time, if that just like energizes you all the time, then your heart is there. If it's in your your house, your heart is there. If it's in, you know, your boat, your career, your hobby, anything else, that's where your heart is as well. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that it's a bad thing to take care of your house or your boat or those type of things. But when it dominates our heart and squeezes out, 
squeezes out what God is calling us to be in generosity, it's a problem. It's simply money's like a magnet. So wherever we put it, it tends to pull our heart in that direction. And when I give to God, it's like a magnet the same. It draws me closer to God. I'm invested on a different level when I'm generous that way. Now, the Bible doesn't say that God needs our money. It never puts it that way. He can have all the French fries in the world he wants, I guess. But what he wants is what it represents. It represents something deeper. It represents our heart, our commitment, what we're willing to sacrifice for. So every time I give, it draws me closer to God. It's like a spiritual aerobics. If you're into you know, the, the aerobics kind of stuff, uh, it's good for the heart. It enlarges the heart. It gets you in shape. It makes you stronger. Now think about it. Those of you who are parents out there, uh, do, you, do you enjoy it when you sit back and you see your kids being unselfish? Absolutely. We love that. When you sit back and you see your kids like sharing their toys or being generous or letting somebody else go first on the playground in front of them. I mean, we just love, in fact, we sit over there and we kind of, you know, puff our chest out and we're pretty proud, happy parents. So does God. So does God. When he looks down and he says, you know, you're giving, you're being generous. He sees us sharing what he gave us in the first place. It's like he looks at us and goes, you know, hey, that a boy, that a girl, I'm proud of you. That's what I designed you to do. That's what I've been calling you to be about. You're growing. That's what he's looking for out of us. Number three, giving breaks the grip of materialism. Would you uh, agree with me that we live in a culture that's pretty materialistic? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I grew up in uh, Orange County, California, you know, before they called it the OC. You know, I had never heard of that. The OC, I lived there. What is that? So Orange County, that's where we grew up. Um, and did you realize that Orange County um, was one of the fourth wealthiest counties in America? Now, I did not know this because if you were in my neighborhood in, North, in Orange County, you would not have said that. But one of the, the fourth wealthiest county in America. And did you know that it's the least generous county in America? Orange County, the least generous county in America. Can you believe that? The fourth wealthiest and dead last in charitable giving. They gave one-fourth of one percent to charitable organizations, the average resident in Orange County, last year. That's it's incredible, right? I mean, would you just agree that, that this kind of culture, it's different to keep these values right. It's different to keep this type of thing straight in our lives when it's so materialistically oriented. It's hard sometimes when you see like people getting more and more or the neighbors are acquiring or their lawn looks better than your lawn or are those uh, type of things. I mean, I, little things like that. Like my, my neighbor, Mike, got out and trimmed his, his fence line. Looks good, Mike. Um, and I was like, I got to get out and trim my fence line. Oh, man, I can't let Mike one-up me next door. That's not what I was thinking. But I was thinking, why didn't Mike do my hedges? Mike, come on. We're talking about giving here. (laughs) It's hard. What's the antidote? I mean, what really is it? There's only one antidote to materialism, and it's giving. It's giving. That's the antidote. That goes exact opposite. That is totally countercultural to this materialism grab in our country is to give, to say, I don't need that. I'm not going to run after that. I'm not going to strive for that. I'm going to bless someone else with what I have 
It's the exact opposite. It's like saying, you know, I'm not going to buy into this myth that life just consists of the accumulation of things. I'm not going to buy into this that, that your net worth and your self-worth are really the same thing. You break through with victory every time you give when it comes to this issue of materialism. First Timothy 6, verse 17 and 19, it says, command those who are rich. Now listen, that's every single one of us if we live in America. Compared to the world, uh, we are very blessed. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. We, we understand that. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they, will, they may take hold of a life that is truly life. If you circle enjoyment and share— That's really what God wants you to do with your money. He wants you to enjoy it. He wants you to share it. He wants you to do those both things. And seemingly in his word, when we read passages like that, God is saying that is incredibly possible. It's doable, and you will thrive in your life when you understand it. So those of you who are parents, I want to challenge you. Let your kids see you sacrifice. I mean, they see you earn money, right? Uh, they see you uh, make money. They see you spend money. They see you enjoy money. They're probably part of that e- enjoyment as well. And ask yourself, do they ever see you give money as well? Do they see you give? And that's why I encourage you, before you do this building for life thing, take this envelope and have a family meeting. Sit down with the family and say, what is it God wants us to give? What is it? Involve everyone in the family. Um, I want my kids to be unselfish. I want them to learn how to sacrifice as God's challenging us to sacrifice. You might notice, parents, that your kids have been walking around with these little banks that they put together, these little boxes uh, that they put together. And that's specifically designed for them to be part of it as well. The, the ask of them is the same as you. Um, equal sacrifice, not equal gift. What is it that we can give? Number four, uh, giving strengthens my face. Not my face. My faith. I guess it could strengthen your faith. Mm, I gave today. No, it's my... F- Let me say that again. Let me just start over. All right, just rewind that. Steve, will cut that out, right? Yeah. All right. Giving strengthens my faith. There we go. Sooner or later, you got to decide, um, can God be trusted with my finances? Can he be trusted with my finances? Can he be counted on to keep his promises in his word as it regards finances? Now, I've told you many times there's more promises in the Bible about giving than any other subject there. God says, look, if you do this, then I will do this in the area of giving. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 13. Your giving proves the reality of your faith. Those aren't my words. That's God's word that he put in there for us to know and for us to be challenged with this morning. Giving, the Bible says, really proves how much faith you really have. Why? Because it is incredibly difficult when times are hard to give. In the Bible, it says there's only one way that, like, you can test God, like, where he says, look, like, just test me on this. It's found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. God says, here's how you can test me. Tithe. Tithe. Give 10% of your income to the church, as he talks about throughout his word. It's like he's saying in those verses, look, I dare you. 
tithe and see if I don't pour out the blessings on top of you. But if you reason it out to the point where you say, nah, it's not going to work here because I got this and I'm going to do and you end up not doing it, guess what? You're never proving God. You're never, you're never putting God to that test, and therefore God, God's promise there to pour out his blessings, he basically says, I don't have to come through with that. Because what I challenge you to do, I challenge you to bring your tithe to the storehouse as he describes it there. The Bible says it this way, and this is like how I memorized it in high school, so you, you get it this way. Prove me, saith the Lord. Prove me, saith the Lord. Malachi 3.10. It's the only way that you can prove God, test God. That's what the scripture is saying here. So take that challenge, that, that tithing challenge. I, I, I though, instead of just saying it, I, I want you to see an example of how this is playing out in, in somebody's lives. So would you guys share with us? All right. Would you welcome Miss Amelia? A lot of you have met her before. She's semi-new to our church, but is brand new to our music team. And so some of you got to see her serve for the first time at Wendover last Sunday. And um, Amelia and I have had lots of opportunities to talk. And just as a music team, um, we share a lot of prayer requests and things like that on Thursday nights. And we've talked about tithing before. And Amelia shared um, with our team something really special that God did for her. But before we share you that special thing, I just wanted to ask her a couple questions about tithing and her thoughts on that. Um, in the past, Amelia, what were your thoughts on tithing? Um, I grew up with, you know, really faithful parents, and my parents were always in church, well, my dad at least, and so um, him always tithing and always giving to God was something that I always saw and I always thought was really special, because even though we didn't have a lot growing up, he was still always very faithful in that way, so um, I think that had a lot to do with the way that I viewed tithing and how I always thought it was something good um, that needed to be done because God says that that's what he wants us to do. Um, But not having a job growing up, obviously kind of I wasn't tithing as a child or anything. Um, So, yeah, basically. Right, so the thoughts were it's great and you see people do it and you knew that it was something to be done, but had not the opportunity to really... Um, put that into practice. And so now that you've had that opportunity um, to see what tithing looks like exactly for you, not just for those around you, what are your thoughts on it now? Um, Something that was actually pointed out to me a few weeks ago was that um, God, and what Tom was saying this morning, God gave us everything. Like, he didn't just give us 10%. That's what he asked of us. He gave 100%. He gave everything. He gave his son for us. And no amount of money, whether it's 10% or 100%, will ever, in my opinion, be able to repay him for that, what he gave to us. So for him just to ask 10% of us is amazing to me. I mean, we owe him everything, and he's only asking for a small little bit of what we have. Um, Something else that I look at is that... um, the money that I make from my job isn't my money. Yeah, I work for it, but that's God's money. I mean, he just gave it to us. And so for him to give us something, then why? And he's not even asking for a lot of it back. You know, I mean, it's just 10%. I mean, if you think of a dollar, that's just 10 cent. That's it. So that's just the way I think of it like that. 
Now, as far as how God can practically show us, you know, the proof of who he is like Tom talks about, he does that in all different ways for, for everybody, right? And so for you specifically, he's done something for you over this past month. So share with us what that cool thing is. So um, some of you probably know um, I'm actually starting back to school this summer. And so that's a lot of money if you know anything about colleges. Um, The tuition is very expensive, plus the cost of books and stuff like that. Plus I've been going to the doctor a lot, so I've been accumulating bills and stuff. So I was praying to God, and I was like, you know, I don't know if I can do it. I don't want to keep asking my parents for money because they they have bills of their own to pay. Um, So he told me, he was like, God told me, he said, give me 10%. Just just let me have it. You'll see. You'll see what I can do. So a few weeks ago, my boss at work came up to me, and I was scared to death because he never never really talked to us. And so I was like, I can't get fired. I was like, God, you told me you were giving, to give you 10%. That's what I'm doing. What is this? So he came up to me and he said, I want to increase your pay by 75 cent an hour. So. So opportunity for um, us is to be active. And then God reacts to our actions, and that's what he did for Amelia. So thank you for sharing that with us this morning. Thank you. Amen. So listen, I I know, as we've been talking about this over the last three weeks, uh, I I know that if you've been praying about, like, our offering next week, our Saturday, if you've been praying about what does God want us to give as a one-time gift, what does he want us to do uh, with that three-year pledge above and beyond even our tithe, what, what does he want us to do? Listen, I know it's probably been stretching your faith. Um, I know it's been stretching mine. Um, Why? Because even though I'm your pastor and I get to get up here and share and teach, um, equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. Uh, It's been challenging us as the Raven family to sacrifice just the same uh, as you as well. What a refreshment, though, to see uh, one of our young folks there that God has got the grip early to say, no, this is a valuable discipline of the faith. And I believe God is working in a lot of lives uh, here. Now, did I tell you on March 1st when we first introduced this, did I tell you that you might get hassled by Satan during this time? Anybody felt a little hassled in the last three weeks? I felt pretty hassled this week myself in several areas, um, and uh, they kind of came out of the blue. It, it wasn't things that I thought, well, they're coming, I'm just going to have to deal with them this week. No, it just came out of like nowhere, didn't expect. And yet, you know, the, the Lord just kind of blessed and worked through each of those. In fact, uh, you know, two of those three, the Lord by the end of the week had spun those around for the good of the church. And, uh, and though I'm not at liberty to share any more on you, I, I just, I'm just blown away. And so uh, the Lord is working that way. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7 and 8 says this, give not with regret or out of a sense of duty for God loves the one who gives gladly. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so that there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty, get this, left over to give joyfully to others. I mean, when we give, and then God says, I'm going to give back to you, and out of the surplus of what I give back to you, guess what you get to do? You get to turn around and bless somebody again with that type of money, and the cycle continues. I mean, what is he saying? He's saying, get excited about giving. 
Get excited about what you have the opportunity of doing. Next week when we come together for our banquet and we take our envelopes and we hand, I mean, we, get, we can get excited about what it represents. And though it's a sacrifice for us, it represents the opportunity for a church location for however many decades down the road ministering at that location. Long after we're gone, dead and buried, the Lord will still have the opportunity to minister in a family relational church right there. That's, what, that's something to be excited about, and we get to be a part of, of the ground breaking of that. So I, I'm eager to give next week. Let me tell you three reasons. This is personal. I assume that they apply to you. Maybe not. But uh, for th- my three reasons is I want to keep growing. I want to keep developing uh, the spiritual muscle. In the last three weeks, since my wife and I came together and we talked about uh, the amount and what God might be challenging, uh, it's been a spiritual battle uh, in those three weeks. Um, there's been a time or two where I've, I've thought, maybe I Maybe I didn't hear you right, God. Um, you know, there's some other numbers I prefer. So maybe, uh, maybe I didn't just... It's a, but I want to keep growing. I, I want to keep being challenged by this. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to live off some commitment like 20 years ago, like 1995 when I was, you know, just a, a few years a Christian when I made some commitments. I don't want to look back and say, you know, I made this incredible commitment. It was such a wonderful time. And like I'm still like writing that commitment 20 years later. I made a commitment to serve and follow Jesus Christ 27 years ago, but all the other commitments, those were commitments along the way. And then later on, God called me to something greater, and then later God called me to sacrifice even more, and that's what I want to do in this period as well. Second reason uh, for us is, um, really, as your pastor, um, I don't want anyone to out-sacrifice me. I really believe, it's not like a competition, like we're not putting a scoreboard up or anything, and it's not the amount, don't get carried away with that, but I want you as, as a congregation to know your pastor is right in the trench with you when it comes to each of those things. Not just that, you know, I'll go knock on the doors and invite people to church, but I will sacrifice my resources and my treasure the same way as I'm asking you. When I first got here, uh, we had a church softball team, or we called it a church softball team, so... Um, we went out there, and, you know, we ran around, and there was a ball and a bat involved. Um, but I remember one of my board members saying to me, well, you know, the pastor, you probably shouldn't have to pay for softball. And in my head, I'm like, look, if I'm going to ask any man at this church to pay to play softball, then I'm going to pay to play softball myself. Yesterday, when we went to the men's summit, which was outstanding, if I just asked one of the men that went, and they'll share all about it, um, but when I walked into the door, and I'm part of the steering committee the last six months. I was helping plan this whole thing. Um, but when I walked in, I, I walked in with my $15 just the same way I asked every man. I want you to know that your pastor is going to sacrifice as well. That's the second reason I want to keep giving. And third, I, I, Shreen and I have just learned, our, our family, that you can't outgive God. You just, you just can't outgive. Every time we follow God and we say, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to be generous, God laid this on my heart, so therefore I've got to turn around and give in this area— he just always supplies right back into it. I, showed, I shared a story with you one time about being in Chicago and getting ourselves $9,700 in the hole just because this just wasn't enough income. I mean, we were just struggling, all right? Tough, tough time in our life. And walking out to my suburban one day and reaching under the seat, and there was an envelope, and there was $10,000 in that envelope, cash, $10,000. That paid for the 9700 and there was 300 left over. And we sent that to the church. Um, 
And the Lord just does that. You can't outgive him. It's like a, a fun little game, and he always wins in the end, but it, uh, it's still fun to play it. So, fifth, uh, giving's a test of my maturity. We talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, but if life is a test, one of the things God tests us here on earth is really our, our maturity. And one of the ways he tests our maturity is through finances. Why through finances? Because, I mean, he just, he knows that we're, we're, we're just so much about making money, saving money, spending money, manipulating money, all these type of things. And so uh, because we build our lives around it, it's the core of our being sometimes. God says, well, I'm just going to use it to test your responsibility as well. Here's what the Bible says in Luke 16. If, you're, if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches of heaven? I mean, do you see the implication of the verse there. Jesus said, look, if I'm not faithful with money on this earth, God's not going to trust me with like greater spiritual responsibility as well. I mean, it's, I look at this and I think this is serious stuff. I mean, Jesus talks more about money and giving and generosity than he does about heaven. He, he talks more about giving and generosity than he talks about hell. Over one half of the parables are about money management. Why? Because God has chosen it. He's chosen it to really test and challenge our maturity as well. Six, giving's an investment for eternity. Now, you've heard me say it many times, uh, but you know you can't take anything with you on ahead. I mean, it's just, it's not how it it works. I mean, you understand that principle. Uh, You know, when people die, they like bury them in suits. And the difference between a burial suit and a regular suit, you know, a burial suit doesn't have any pockets because... You know, there's no need for them. Why waste the extra material? You can't, you can't take anything with you when you go. But you can store up treasure in heaven is what God's word says. We store up treasure on earth, right? But we can store up treasure in heaven. Listen to what second, 1 Timothy 6, 18 through 19. And this is your memory verse for this week. It's two verses, actually. Use your money to do good, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given you. By doing this, you'll be storing up real treasure for yourselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity, and you'll be living a fruitful life down here as well. Now, don't read that verse wrong where you say you can buy your way into heaven. That would be completely against what Scripture talks about uh, throughout its word. But he says, look, with what I've resourced you, what I've given, be a blessing, be generous, and store up your treasure in heaven and, and not around your house and yard and driveway here on this earth. And he says there's no greater investment than the kingdom of heaven. It's like this protected investment, this proven investment. Seven, uh, giving blesses me in return. And this is stated like over and over and over in God's word that we're blessed back. Take a look at uh, 1 Kings 17, starting in verse 8. I want to read this passage to you. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath, and there is a woman there who will feed you. I will give her my instructions. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the city, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a cup of water? As she was going to get it, he also called to her, would you bring me a bite of bread too? But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in my house and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. 
And I was just gathering a few sticks to cook our last meal, and then my son and I are going to die. It's like, last meal? I mean, that's how desperate they've been for food. Elijah says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and cook that last meal, but bake me a little loaf of bread first, and afterwards there will still be enough food for you and your son. For this is what the Lord says, There will always be enough flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops will grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her son continued to eat from her supply of flour and oil for many days. No matter how much they used, there was always just enough left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah." Now, I love this story. It really teaches us a couple things. It's, it says that one of the best times to give is like when I'm flat broke. It's when I need God. I'm crying out to God the most to give. Second thing is that I, I cannot outgive God. Are you seeing a theme in that? The third thing it says is that if I put God first, he will take care of my needs. I like how the passage doesn't say, and then like, you know, he filled up her bank account with millions and millions of dollars for the rest of her life. It said there's always just enough more. There was always just enough left. And the fourth thing it says is that I'm going to reap always more than I sow. There's always a little bit more left. God's going to take care of my needs. Proverbs 22, 9 says, generous people will be blessed. So how does God bless me when I put him first in, his fi- in my finances? Well, lots of different ways, uh, I guess, he does that. He gives you a promotion like we heard here or a raise, uh, or he helps you cut expenses, or maybe you're, ri- you're driving around that, that car that you know is about to die, but the next thing you know, you're two years longer with that car, and somehow the Lord has just carried it out. He does all kinds of things in that. Lastly, eighth, we look at this, giving makes me happy. It does. Giving will make you happy. It feels good to give. You know, uh, the difference between givers and, and takers is takers seem to be much more miserable or critical people than givers are. Givers love to share. In fact, the, the Acts chapter 20 verse 35 says, there's more happiness in giving than in receiving. And that's why I think Wendover Hills, you're, you're a happy church. Because you're a generous church, you're full of givers, givers of time, givers of talent, givers of treasure. And look, we're growing in this area of giving our treasure. We're growing in this area of being committed tithers and being generous people. I've had people share in the last several weeks that they have gotten on board and committed to the biblical principle of tithing. And God is speaking that way. So during this Building for life. We focus on building for faith, building for purpose last week, building a life of sacrifice this week. Take a look at this passage in 2 Corinthians 8 7, and a good one to kind of embed in your memory. And it might be the one that God uses to challenge you if you're not already here. You already excel in faith, knowledge, enthusiasm, and love. Like those four things so describe Wendover Hills Church. Faith and knowledge, enthusiasm, love. Now add generosity to your virtues. Add generosity is what he said. You've heard it the last three weeks, and next week that's going to be the challenge to us as God's leading us forward. As we come together for our banquet, we do our, our, our one-time gift offering, we do our pledges. That's going to be where God is challenging us to take a step forward in 
our faith. And so I want to encourage you this week as we wrap up, this is not your giving card for next Sunday or next Saturday night and then Sunday. This is your prayer card for your family this week. This is the card to pray over and lay before you and say, Lord, show us. What is it you want us to do? How do you want us to be a part in this season of our church? Now, this season won't always last in our church. It won't always be this way uh, in our church, but this is the season where God has challenged us in the building of a permanent building and a permanent meeting location for us. And so I want to challenge you in this area this week in, in your generosity. Well, let me pray for you specifically in this, and then uh, I've asked Anson if he'd come up, and, and uh, apparently he has some goodies for me um, to come up and share with us uh, about our ministry expo. Let's pray. Father, uh, I believe so much, and my heart is so much more encouraged this week at the end of the week than I was at the beginning of the week, Lord, when I felt like I was just, I was being hassled and many other hands went up as other people. But Father, we will, as the psalmist writes so many times, no matter what they say uh, they're struggling with or, or that they're having to deal with, they always say, but I will yet praise the Lord. I'll continue to praise God. I'll continue to do what you've called me to do. And Father, I just pray this morning that if there's anyone, Lord, that you're wanting to speak to on this issue of generosity, or if you're, you're, you're wanting to, to challenge or raise up a level, would you do it? Lord, there's some others, though, this morning that it might just be simply a faith issue, just to say, Lord, I have faith in your word. I have faith in who you are. And I will walk forward, Lord, and start letting your words speak to me and challenging me, however it may be, money or otherwise, in my life. And Lord, as we spend this week praying with these cards in hand, Lord, I pray that it would be 100% clear for every family that takes the moment to pray, it would be 100% clear what you're calling us up to. And we'll trust you in all of it, we pray in your son's name. Amen.